Amen. You may be seated. We're glad that you're here today. And uh, I hope you come to church uh, anticipating God speaking to you. You know what I'm saying? You know, I think we, you know, sometimes we don't realize our responsibility. Uh, I think without question, certainly, I have a responsibility to deliver the word to you, but you have a responsibility to listen and to pray about what's going on this morning that God will speak to us. I hope we never come to a service and say, well, I got that taken care of, got that service over with. I hope we never look at it that way. I hope we come anticipating uh, what God's going to speak to us. I, I tell you, I, I, frankly, I'm very, very relieved. Generally, after a golf tournament, I have to preach on lying. I don't think anybody lied to this call. I mean, with what I saw, you know, it was, it was pretty painful. And uh, so I was thankful for that. That's, that's, that's the normal Sunday after the golf tournament. Okay, thou shalt not lie. You know, I heard someone say the best club in my bag is a pencil. And so, so you got to watch that. No. About six weeks ago, <clears throat> you know, I knew this, this particular day was going to come by. I'll be speaking right prior to our launch service next Sunday. And, uh, you know, the last two or three weeks we've been leading up to this and uh, sharing things with you, challenging you uh, about what's getting ready to happen. And, uh, and so about five or six weeks ago, I, you know, uh, I wrote on a piece of, uh, of yellow paper like this, uh, Reaching the Next Generation. That's kind of what I thought would be a great title, Reaching the Next Generation. And I've been studying uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you'd like to turn there, I encourage you to do so. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But I wrote that down there and, and uh, you know, kind of stuck it in my Bible and uh, other things were happening. And so I knew that, you know, I'd, what I generally do when it comes to getting ready for a message, I start on Monday morning pretty early and I study all week and getting ready up until actually this morning. You know, it keeps going on even this morning. But uh, so uh, I opened up my Bible and took out that little yellow sheet of paper uh, saying, reaching the next generation. And just like the Lord spoke to me, said, you know, that's not, that's not really true what you're saying there. And I thought, well, you know, what is it? He said, because which generation are you talking about? Do you know there are six generations right now alive? And so which generation are we dealing with? Let me, let me kind of qualify it for you. If you, are, if you are 90 and above, you are of the GI generation. Would you lift your hand if you're 90 years old and above? 90 years old and above. <laughs> Wait a minute. Not like you act like you're 90 but you really are 90. One more time. Lift your hand if you're 90 years old. Okay. All right. Look around. Okay. Good. Good to have you. All right. Put your hands down. If you, the next generation is called the silent generation. There's no wimp. Anyway, and uh, this, is, this is 72 to 89. If you're 72 to 89, raise your hand. You are the silent generation. Well, not that silent. And I'm looking around now seeing who I'm seeing. You are that generation. That's Generation two, the third generation is from 50 years old to 71. You're baby boomers. Raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a lot of baby boomers. All right, that's your generation. Okay, the next generation is Generation X. You're from 35 to 49. Would you raise your hand? 35 to 49. Your generation, your generation X, you know. All right, then the, the, the fifth generation is from 14 years old to 34 millennials. How many millennials do we have? Oh, quite a few millennials. Okay. All right. Then the last generation is Generation Z. They're from one-year-old to 13. How many of y'all in there? One-year-old to 13. Okay, good. All right. Okay. All right. What I wanted you to see is there's a lot of generations in the church. And so for me to say, well, let's reach the next generation, 
Which one is that? I mean, which generation is that that we're really trying to focus on? That's why I believe last week, if you remember, I started with, with Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And what we try to give you back then is to realize that we need to have a vision. Just a, just a minute or so ago, you saw these different hands raised and the different generations that are representative. And I think what God is saying to us is that he wants us to have a vision for every generation. So on that, Sunday, on that Monday morning, as I was preparing this message, I went back from reaching the next generation to reaching every generation. Some folks say, well, preacher, what generation are you? I'm only focusing on six generations. Amen. No more than six. I got six worked out here. We're going to do that. So that's who we're focusing on, those six generations. The Bible, I also gave you the scripture in John 4, 35, where it says, Say not ye, there are four months, then cometh harvest. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. The reason that's true is because of the six generations. I mean, they're in different stages of opportunity to reach them. I mean, there's folks that have come this morning that God has brought you here, and you are prepared. God's preparing your heart to receive what he has for you this morning. And when you do that, then you have been reached. Your life has been changed, and that's what Jesus does. Jesus changes people's life. That John 4.35, what I believe it's saying is don't be distracted by what, is, what has been or what is, but be led by what can be. I think that's exactly what John 4.35 is saying. He wants us to get out of the mold, and he wants us to realize that, that he is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is as powerful as he was back then. He's as powerful today. And what we need to do is plug in to God's power because God wants to do something in our lives. I think this morning we need to get a hold of that. God wants to do something in your life this morning, and God wants to do something in this ministry. And I think it's important that we anticipate what God is going to do. Let me give you a scripture, and I'll be here in Corinthians. But in, in the book of Joshua, uh, this is in a way of application. I want to give this to you in a way of application because we see that there was a decision that had to be made. Uh, they were going through some very difficult times. And we see that uh, Joshua responded to those difficult times. It wasn't easy for him to probably say what he's going to say because he realized that when he said it, when it got out there, he would be accountable for what he had to say. You know, can I say words matter? Amen, Are you, amen on that? Words matter. Sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but words will never harm me. Is that true? Is that a lie? Oh, you got it. Words do matter. And when you speak those words, when you say, you know what I hate folks say? They say something and they say, oh, I'm just kidding you. Don't you hate that? You know, oh, I'm just funning you. Well, fun somebody else. Here we go. You're familiar with the scripture. Let me give it to you, though. And if it seem evil, this is Joshua 24, 15. And if it seem evil unto you, serve the Lord. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Where the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods, the Ammonites, on whose land you dwell. But here it is. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think it's about time that we get to a situation not to be so cluttered by what's going on in our world today, not allowing the world to taint what God is doing in our life and realizing that God wants us to make a decision or commitment, if you will, that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think it's so important that you understand that. Uh, one of the things that we are trying to drive home to you this morning is the, the, things of, the different things that we're doing around here. We're doing this because we want to serve the Lord. Now, if you're in 1 Corinthians, here's what it begins with. 
Look at verse 19, chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians 9. There's two or three things I want to give you. Look at verse 19. For though I be free from all men, now please get this next phrase, yet have I made myself servant unto all. What Paul is telling us here is that if, if you, you never serve God by accident, if you are ministering to someone, if you are in church this morning, if you're giving your tithes and offerings, you have made yourself do this. On Mondays I was studying, uh, and this is the great thing about studying the Word of God. He just ministers to us, doesn't he? Y'all have that happen to you? I mean, you read the Word of God, all of a sudden you said, wow, he's speaking to me. You know, I like that when that happens. And, and Monday morning I was uh, at church pretty early and I was going through and I was getting, getting, the, the, getting this thing going and all. And I read this and all. And a lot, the only problem sometimes you've got to be careful about when you study, about, when you study to preach to somebody, that you, what you're doing, you're, you're preaching to somebody. And sometimes you've got to exclude yourself from that. It's a very dangerous thing to do that. Now, and I think this is the way the Lord does stuff. And he knew, he knew I, I was struggling over some things and, you know, uh, the different decisions that we're making. And, and uh, uh, it's not that I question the decisions that we're doing. I, I, so I don't question any of the things that we're doing. I know that we're doing the things that, that God would have us to do. But frankly, I haven't wanted to do it. Have you ever been that way? I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. Now, probably it's not a great thing to admit, is it? <laughs> you know, I just didn't want to do it. You say, well, why is it? I don't know. I just didn't want to do it. No. And, and so I, he said, well, but you are doing it. Yes, I am. And I'm making myself do the things that I have to do. And I have to be frank with you. I, I felt a little bit guilty about that because, you know, this is what God wants us to do. I, I, you know, sometimes I think we don't understand. If this is what God wants to do, we ought to be excited about it. You ought to be wonderful. We ought to walk around with a sick grin on our face all the time. Everything's great. But I've found serving God, everything isn't always great. Not always fun. So why do you do it? Well, what Paul said here, I made myself servant at all. Sometimes you've got to do right because it's right. You, you know, it's not out of character to say, well, I, I'm only going to do something if I feel like it. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. You're going to do a whole lot. You've heard me say it's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. If, if your life's controlled by how you feel when you're getting ready to do stuff, you won't do very much stuff. You need to do what's right because it's right. And, and even though this is not really so much a part of the message, but it, but it was to me. God ministered to me that Monday morning and as I was struggling and I was going through the things that I've been going through. And, and God showed me, you know, it's neat when you find someone else that's gone through some of the stuff you've gone through. Amen. It's wonderful to deal with someone that, you know, uh, I don't want to learn everything by experience. I want you to make mistakes. Tell me about it. You know, tell me about all the problems you've got. You know, I don't want to do that. And so a case is very good to talk to someone that you're going through a difficult thing. And, and I, I was reading here in the Word of God, and I see Paul was going through that difficult thing. And, I, and I'm saying, well, Paul, what's your problem? Why were you going through that? And, of course, if you look at the book of Romans, you'll find his problem is what your problem is. There's a battle inside. Amen. There's stuff going on inside here that's not always good. And, and, and you know, that, that you're fighting and the, the things you want to do, the good stuff you're not doing, and the bad stuff you're doing, that kind of stuff, and you're saying, man, this is a mess. Hey, we're not in heaven yet. This world is a world full of tribulation and problems, but we forget that, don't we? We think if you're a believer, you know Christ is your personal Savior, you're faithful and all this kind of stuff, you won't have any problems. 
Where in the world do you get that from? Not from this book. See? So he had a choice to make. Paul did. And his choice was that, and here's what it is. It's so neat. Look at verse 19 again. For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant at all. Get this, that I may gain the more. Look at verse 20. He, in, in these three verses, he says, I may gain five times. He makes that emphasis over and over and over again. And what you see, what I believe what I derive from this, is that he wanted his life to be productive. How about y'all? You know, I think the important thing is when it comes to this thing of service, I want my life to be productive. And to the end of my life, however long that's going to be, I, want, I don't want to coast through. I want to make a difference. And I believe God has left us here to make a difference. He said that I might gain, that I might be productive. It's a choice you've got to make. I don't want, to, I don't want life to happen to me. I want to happen to life. I believe that's why we're here as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. If anyone ought to have a handle on this stuff, it's us. It's a choice. You've got a choice. Now, you've heard me say this. You're free to choose, but you're not free to choose the consequences. You can, you can, tell, you can tell God to take a hike, but let me tell you something. There's a consequence to that behavior. But often when we use that phrase, you're free to choose, but you're not free to choose the consequences. It's always on a bad thing. Isn't it? <laughs> it's always on a negative connotation, but that's not a bad thing either. When you, I mean, you know, it's like that computer stuff, you know, good stuff in, good stuff out. And so when, when Paul made that decision in verse 19 that he was he is going to make himself servant of all, and the reason he was going to do that, that he might gain, gain the more. What are the more? What's the more he's talking about? Well, look at verse 20. We can see the more. And under the Jews, I became I a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as they're under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. That, that was his family. These were folks, this was his family. You know, Paul was a Pharisee, you understand that. I mean, that, I mean he was, uh, we're studying on Wednesday night, we studied uh, this teacher called Gamaliel, who was a famous teacher there in Jewish history. He was Paul's professor. And so Paul was involved with all these kind of things. And so without question, after the Lord changed his heart and changed his life, the very first thing he wanted to do, he wanted to be involved with reaching his family. You ought to be involved with reaching your mama, your daddy, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins. I mean, you need to be involved with your family. The first group of folks you ought to be inviting to come to church they ought to be your family. You ought to talk to them. You ought to encourage them. I mean, you listen, that's why we're here. We want to reach folks for Christ. And so the very first group we want to reach, we want to reach our, our family. That's what he did because of his choice. Look, look at verse 21. We see the second group. To, to them that are without the law is without the law, being not without the law of God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. These, these are his, these are his uh, friends. Uh, these would be his neighbors. Uh, these would be folks you work with. I mean, these folks that you're associating with. I mean, he's Paul saying, listen, I want to I gain the more. I want to gain my family. I want to gain my friends, the folks that are around me. I think it's important that I do that. And then the third one, now in your outline it says, family, friends, failure. That's supposed to be frail. You know, frail. And you say, well, when did you come up with that? Yesterday. But the bulletin was already printed. And so if you could you mark that failure out there and put frail. Frail. Who are the frail? Well, look at verse uh, 22. We know who the family is. These were the folks. These were, these were Jews. This was his family. 
He was concerned about them first. And you need to be concerned about them first. And second of all, he was concerned about his friends, his neighbors, his people he worked with. And third of all, he was concerned about those that were frail. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. I have seen people take that scripture and twist that scripture up to, to justify their behavior on different things and all. Now, that's not what he's talking about here. Not at all. Uh, he's not compromising his life. And I think it's important to understand what Paul was doing here. Uh, Paul was uh, identifying uh, with these people to help them grow. Uh, one of the folks have talked, one of the things you've heard us talk about here recently is a thing called life groups. And the reason you're hearing us talk about these type of these situations, uh, we, we find that if you do life with people, you can, the Bible says you can encourage each other, you can lift each other up. And, you know, I think it's very important that we don't simply have services to come to. We have life groups that will change our life. When the, it's important to me, when you, when you read this Word of God, what are you doing with what you're reading? Well, what impact are you having? Is it having on your life? And if it's not having any impact on your life, then that's religion, isn't it? You know, sometimes we get the idea, if I keep the rules and regulations, I'm okay. You're okay for who or for what? I think it's very important that we understand that we are trying to encourage people and to uplift people. And, and Paul was not, verse 22 was not a, a point of compromise for him. Uh, he, was he was giving himself totally and abandoning himself to the love of God. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, the love of Christ constrains us. <laughs> Y'all ever been in love? Okay. I'm in love. And I do things for my wife that because of love. HTTV is because of what? Herb, you know what I'm talking about. You feel me, brother? Okay. Okay. Ice skating, definitely not right, though. And, uh, but, uh, but you do things because you love people. And, you know, uh, uh, you, you, the Bible says, you know, it's funny what, how the world defines love, isn't it? Love, L-U-S-T. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that, that love does not behave itself unseemly, does not vaunt itself, you know. And so I think it's very important that, that love is very much a part of our life. God wants it to be there. I think it's important that's there. And, and what it does and what Paul is saying here is that Paul is saying, I am making myself do these things because I care for you. I love you. It's not compromise. What it is, he's being controlled by the law. Let me tell you that when the love of God is in your life, it just does something. I find myself loving people I don't even like. I'm looking around here. I'm about done with the message. The last two or three weeks, I've tried to make it as personal as we're getting ready to move into the relaunching the ministry and all the things that we're doing. And I've had folks wondering, you know, why am I doing this? You know, I'm within three weeks of being 70 years old. I don't look 70, do I? I actually look pretty good, am I right? Could I have an amen? amen. Thank you, honey. <laughs> but the deal is this, guys, and I think it's, you know, some folks have thought, well, you know, you ought to just coast on into retirement, whatever that looks like, or don't rock the boat. And I know I have been rocking the boat a little bit and all. I got that. And you, you might be wondering, because, and I have to, frankly, I've been wondering. I've been wondering about it. 
Lord, help me in two ways. One, with the scripture that I've read to you today, really help, help me in that area. And then, 53 years ago, there was a 16-year-old boy who uh, spent two months on a mission trip. And he really believed that what God was going to do is call him to be a missionary. Spent two months on the mission field. Came back just in time to go to youth camp. Went to youth camp, great camp. Really thought youth camps where God would deal with him, call him in the ministry. Missions. Didn't happen. On that Saturday, as he was instructed by his youth pastor, that we weren't supposed to hunt and, hunt and peck when it comes to reading the Bible. We were supposed to read through the whole book, and it just, here's what's funny, it just so happens that on that Saturday evening, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 was getting ready to be read. As a scripture was being read, if you're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, three verses before that is verse 16. Verse 16 says this, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For in a For necessity is laid upon me. <clears throat> Yea, warn to me if I preach not the gospel. You see, here's, here's the deal. For me, when I read that scripture that night, 16, Went and talked to my mom about it. She prayed for me. I went to bed. 16, you can do that. You can even go to sleep. Not so easy now, is it, guys? But uh, got up that Sunday morning, went to church. I don't have, I really could not tell you what the preacher preached on. Not a clue. <laughs> it's a great preacher. When that invitation was given to me, given the Holy Spirit, that's why with confidence, when I share with you this morning, it's not about me, it's about him, isn't it? It's the Holy Spirit that touches our hearts and changes us. On that Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit touched my heart, and I came forward, surrendered to preach. You say, did you commit your life to God? No, I had done that two years earlier. Two years earlier, I'd walked the aisle, and I uh, had uh, actually four years before that, I had trusted Christ as Savior, about 14, 15 in that area, uh, they were challenging us about surrendering our life to the Lord. I, I came that forward, that, that, that surrendered my life to God, didn't know what he wanted me to do. But I found this to be the case, that when you, salvation plus submitting equals surrender. <laughs> I found that to be the case for me. Well, I say that to say this. For me, the decision to do what we're doing right now uh, was made 53 years ago. And, and I realized that uh, on that, you've heard me talk a little bit on that Tuesday month, of, on that Tuesday of last year, Tuesday of December of last year, we were wrestling with what God would have us to do. And someone said, well, you know, you didn't really have a choice. Well, no, I think you have a choice. I really believe you do. But I, and I, I don't think God, I don't think my performance uh, is going to make God love me anymore. Do y'all? Or love me any less. My performance doesn't, not about that and God loving me. He says that he loves me, you know, that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And once I accept him, 
His love is there. But, you know, for me, what really helped me was the reality that God says, hey, you have an opportunity. I'm going to give you an opportunity to make an impact and a difference in this area. You know, guys, we're living in a troubled world. Would you agree? For we are, we are really in trouble as a country. We are so much in trouble. And it'd be easy for us to hide out, to try to pull back. But I've decided this, my heart, my life, whatever life I have left, whatever strength I have, and by the way, I have a lot of strength. <laughs> you know, God's been very gracious to us. But I don't know, I just want to be all in. How about y'all? Say, what's, what's the next few weeks going to look like? Well, frankly, we've never traveled some of the ways we're getting ready to travel. If you come here at 830, there'll be the Bible study like it's going on, like it went on this morning. If you come here at 930, you'll be, this will be exactly what you'll be, we'll be involved with. You come at 11 o'clock, it'll be more of a contemporary type service. We'll still be preaching the word of God. Uh, we need people that are willing to, to get involved with life groups. Uh, we need greeters. Uh, we need hospitality teams. A lot of this stuff's going to be going on around here and all. We need folks to help with this music. Uh, you know, for, for I think I think with with uh, uh, Corey three or four times I've I think I could I could be in the music program. I'm feeling the music, but so far he said no. I think we can do it without you. And uh, so, but I'm, I'm I want you to know I'm ready. I'm ready to do it, man. But uh, but we need people willing to get involved. We need people. You know, you say, well, preacher, I, you know, it's just not comfortable. I got it. God didn't call me for comfort. He called me to get something done for God. Joshua said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Doesn't mean we do everything right. Doesn't mean every decision I make is right. I understand that. But I can tell you this, my desire, my passion, and my burden is to finish strong. We need your help. Need your help. We need your support. We need you to get back there and get these things out, these invitations. I mean, I, I've passed them down. I've had no one turn them down yet. No. Of course, I always give a big tip. And uh, that may be the reason they're not turning them down. They want me to come back. But, guys, we need your help. I know Satan, believe me, uh, you, you, you deal with depression and discouragement, so do we. We go through it just like you go through it and all. Uh, I like to tell you that's not the case. You know, the most wonderful time for me is whenever, you know, before the service comes in, it's sometimes the most depressing time for me is before these services start. But the family's here, though. It's okay. The family's here. We're here. We're supporting one another. We're encouraging one another. We're uplifting one another. We don't, we don't have to even agree with each other. You know, man, how can you possibly do that? But we can pray for each other. Because ultimately, the main thing we're trying to do, we're trying to reach Port Charlotte for Jesus Christ. We want to make his name known. It's why we're doing the, it's why we're doing the, uh, we're in the public schools now. It's why we're doing that stuff. It's why we're, and that's a week or so, I'll be introducing a, a lady to you that's going to be opening up Port Charlotte High School for us and, and, and I mean, we're, we want to do everything we can to reach everybody we possibly can. 
but I can't do it myself. No way I can. And so I challenge you this morning. Maybe God is speaking. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not, you're not really sure about eternity. If you would die right now, you don't know whether you spend eternally in heaven or hell. So I challenge you not to walk out of here. If you don't feel like coming forward, uh, I'm here, Pastor Hardy, stand up. Here. He'll be around. We'll stay here all day. Doesn't matter. I want how to get to heaven. We'll be glad to talk to you about that. No problem. You may be here this morning, and you know what's happening. You've gotten a little bit colder and different about the things of God. I want to tell you something. Listen, guys, we ain't got a lot of time. We can't mess around, man. We've got to get busy. And so we need your help. We need you. Uh, maybe you could help us greeting, or you can help us with the hospitality area. We're gonna. There's so many areas you could help us involved with. We you say you have a sign up sheet. I don't even have a sign up sheet. <laughs> I probably should have a sign up sheet, shouldn't I? Well, I, no, I ain't got one. But but you know, uh, uh, just let me know. We're gonna we're gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna get get that stuff going and all. But we just need a lot of help. And we need what we need. You know, we need most of all. We need you praying. Oh God, can we can we ask? that nothing will be in our life that would keep the power of God off from us. We want God's power. So, next week I'm in Revelation. I'm going to go a little further with that, more, that ministry, that, that, that scripture. Let's stand, if you would, please.